Welcome to MCLD Shelf Logic. I am Corbin, and I am joined by. I am Groot. I, I am Groot. No, no, you. We're talking about the movie, not being the actual character. Of us. I am Groot. All right, and we're we're joined by Groot to discuss comic book movies. I'm Alyssa, and Corbin and I are <laughs> employees at the Ed Robeson Library. Um, part of the Maricopa County Library District. So uh, this is week two of LibraryCon, and we are going to be talking about comic books and movies. or Comic, comic book books. movies, yeah. movies to comics. No, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, Mike, who knows? Mm-hmm. This is LibCon, y'all. Let's do it. Yeah. So um, we have very choice thoughts about some of the interpretation. <sighs> yep. <laughs> Yep. Interpretations of movies, um, TV shows, and whatnot. Corbin, where do you want to start today? All right, so I want to start by, by putting out this disclaimer. Not all comic movies are created equal. They really aren't. And some are subjective to a point. Like, for example, a movie I'm going to argue as a really good movie, most people might not think of as a good movie. However... There's also movies that are bad that people may think are good, but are just bad. It was funny. But it was bad. And that we'll kind of get to later. That's our little segment. But I want to start off with that because we're going to talk to these movies and discuss why we like them and, and maybe a brief synopsis. But more than often than not, you probably know these movies. And, you know, your models may vary on how good you may think they are, depending on our uh, choice of selections. So before I go full Disney nerd on everybody... Let's start with DC. Do we have to? Do you want me to go full Disney nerd? You know what? Yeah, let's. let's uh, yeah, sure. Let's start with DC. You're right. You you go first. Though. Okay. So last week we kind of touched on DC shows from the CW. Um, so let's start there. Uh, Arrow. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I listen, listen. Arrow when it first started off was. Decent. It turned me off relatively early because I was like, wait a second, this is just Batman in, in, in green. I didn't like the whole, I'm dark and I've had so many demons. Like, dude, you shoot arrows. Like, you know, like, chill out, you know. You've had some tragedy, yes, but it's not Batman level. But it grew on me. It, it grew on me. Uh, it had a couple of rough points around season four and five for me. Or not season four or five, season three and four. But, I mean, it went eight seasons, and at the very end, it, I, I enjoyed the send-off with which it was given and the full arc that was given to Oliver Queen's story. So I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say it was pretty good. If I had to get out of 10, which there's my arbitrary rankings right there, I would give it a 7. Really? Yeah. I'd probably give it, like, a 5. Like, it wasn't terrible. Like, it had terrible parts, but it wasn't terrible, terrible. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, like, great. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of any, like, seminal moments that stand out. I like the, the theme music, you know? All of his change <laughs> scenes were kind of cool. Arrows, boom. Mask, boom. You know? Now he's ready to go. You know, that sort of thing. Um, The fight choreography was pretty decent throughout. I loved his integration into Christ on Infinite Earths, the crossover reference mm-hmm. last week, and his role in it. Again, further completing the arc of Oliver Queen. But, yeah, like, thinking back on it, no, is there any one moment that stands out? Aside from the use of Deathstroke, a Batman villain that was so prominently featured in Green Arrow, which I didn't like. No, I can't. And I guess that's bad. The one thing I didn't like is the thing that I remember so 
prominently. Okay. Favorite character from era? Well, I mean, at the sake of being original, you know I'm such a maverick. Ira. I liked Ira. I did. Felicity was all right. I liked Felicity. She was my favorite. That or the Black Canary. Black Canary I did not like. Really? Which which one? <laughs> which one? <laughs> yeah, those for starters. That's a fair point. But but yeah, I, I, I think the relationship between the two of them was actually kind of cozy and nice. Um, They went through some craziness and they ended really weirdly. You know, actors and stuff on behind the scenes. But in general, yeah, they played well off each other. True. And so I'll, I'll give them that. All right, let's talk about The Flash. Which, okay, personally, I'm a huge fan of Grant Gustin. I loved him when he was in Glee because he's amazing. And the first, like, couple seasons of The Flash were good. I liked them. It, it was intriguing. Yeah. Um, I did not follow The Flash as closely. Mm. I kind of got, I, I started with the intro, like, everything else. Netflix is amazing for this, by the way. I'm um, catching up on them. All of the past issues. We also have all these shows on DVD through the library. Of course. And, and that's the first thing you want to check outside. It's free. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I like them setting the tone, you know, establishing Barry Allen, Central City, all of that. However, I did not like the main villains. Aside from the use of some of his rogues gallery, it seemed like they used reverse flash a lot. They used zoom a lot more than I would have liked. I could have mm. enjoyed more Weather Wizard or, or other members of Flash's pretty colorful rogues gallery that weren't utilized as effectively. Mm-hmm. And it always finished with, I have to race this guy faster than me or, you know, whatever the case may be to get to point X to save the, like, come on. Yeah. It just became this, like, CGI speed zoom zoom deal. And after a while, that gets old. Um, I liked what they were using later in the season, especially up to now before, of course, the stoppage in production for now with uh, the use of Bloodwork, which is a villain that was actually recently in- reintroduced into the Flash mythos from the comics a couple of years back. So they're going more current. I love their adaptability in that way of using more of the material in interesting ways. And that's a positive. But for the most part, eh, you I mean, your mileage may vary and mine doesn't run that far. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I mean, to, to each their own, right? Of I mean, we both have different reasons for watching it. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Supergirl. Now, Supergirl, I like. I, I think if they spent more time following some of the material, mm-hmm. I would enjoy a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They're fast and loose with that. They definitely do a great job of, of having representation and sharing messages that are uplifting. And I think that that, that stands for a lot. I, I just wish they would refer more to some of the actual storytelling from the material and, and maybe not play as fast and loose, but this is CD, CD, CW. Wow. After all, I know. I don't know why I'm thinking CDs. Anyway, there, there's a, a certain level of, let's say there's certain grades of salt you have to just add to these shows. Yeah. But I do like it. Uh, I think that the cast is great. Some of the story's been good. And her role in the last two crossovers have made it a lot more entertaining than it would have been without her. So the inclusion of CW, of CDs, the inclusion of Supergirl into the CW universe has um, enriched it. It's only served to enrich it. <laughs> it's okay. It, it's, it, it's been a day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Supergirl's okay. And mm-hmm. I I don't know. I kind of got lost after season two, I felt like. It just, 
I, I didn't find it appealing anymore. I was like, meh. Yeah. The way they always wrote out Superman, until finally including him late, which kudos to them for doing that. The reason that, oh, he, you know, he left me here. He was trying to protect me by leaving me all alone. It just kind of went against anything that Superman would do if you knew anything about Superman. But... If you read the comics. <laughs> exactly. Uh. <laughs> so that was that was something. But aside from that, yeah, I mean, you know, after season two, it's all right. Yeah, it's fine. Um, what do we got? Legends of Tomorrow? Yes. That one I had trouble getting into. I mean, I watched like maybe half of season one and then, yeah, I kind of tapered off after that one. I Yeah, I did pretty much the same thing. It's definitely a, a, a beat off the path a little mm-hmm. bit. And you might want to leave some of your superhero expectations at the door. It's a hero story in its own way, but not really drawn as much from the comics. It's a wacky kind of zany spinoff. It's really embracing the fun in the adventures they're having and not tied down to any particular thing, even if they use comic book heroes. Right. So definitely make sure to do that. I'm definitely a little more, all right, let's see what storyline this is taking off. Oh, I recognize this. And I realized after the first season that that wasn't what I was going to find. But some may like that because... You, you build a bond with these characters because of their tremendous use of storytelling. And they do a good job of making you, you know, understand these characters and develop the world around them, even when they're going from one time period to another and duplicates of the same character and all the other zaniness that occurs over the next couple of seasons. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Legends of Tomorrow is a little bit too Doctor Who-y for me. I never watched that. Yeah. So Doctor Who was a time traveler. Mm. It like Quantum Leap. No. Okay. No. I tried. No. All right. No. Mm. Um, he had his TARDIS and he would like fly around. To Sliders. Him. Why do you keep saying random words? So, that's a TV show about time travel. It's so is a- Quantum Leap. Yeah. No, did not know that. He's out there. Y'all know. The, y'all know. All right. Anyway, sorry. I won't interrupt anymore. No, you're fine. <laughs> it just reminded me a lot of Doctor Who, which I love Doctor Who until uh, Peter Capinelli took over. Because Matt Smith will always be my doctor, and Corbin has no idea what I'm talking about nope. because he's just nodding his head. <laughs> nope. Um, but yeah, like there is a, there was too many parallels, and honestly, if I wanted to watch Doctor Who, I would just watch Doctor Who and not Legends of Tomorrow. So. Okay. Uh, and then I think the only one left is Batwoman, Batgirl, Batwoman, Batwoman, Batwoman. Mm-hmm. And Batwoman was interesting from the beginning. The casting of Ruby Rose's Batwoman was met with some criticism and thoughts overall. And then the season started, eh, I'd say a little unevenly. But ultimately, I am one of the few people who liked it, I think. And when I say I think, I know I liked it. I just don't know how many other people, every time I bring it up, it's not widely supported. But it, it was it was pretty good to me. I think that they adopted the same Batman traits they were trying to put on Green Arrow. They ended up putting on successfully with Kate Kane, who has gone through almost as much trauma, arguably, as Bruce Wayne did as Batman. And with the loss of her of her mother and her sister, in terms of her sister's alive, but she's a supervillain who's also deranged. It's really interesting. I think they did a great job of developing the characters. They really did a good job of, of, of creating the feel of Gotham, especially in a smaller TV show, which can be hard to do. It's not just dark, overcast city. You know, it's a little bit more as far as elements to create that. And although I wish they would have used some more... Batman villains than they actually did and maybe not use some of the ones that they end up going with I do enjoy the way that they incorporate these characters because the premise is Bruce Wayne has left we don't know why. Kate Kane realizes there's a void in Gotham that needs to be filled 
And so she ends up walking into Bruce's, you know, the secret of Bruce Wayne being Batman has uh, her friend, uh, Bruce's butler now, Lucius Fox, Lucius Sons Fox, Lucius Fox's son, um, <laughs> develop a new bat suit for her and she takes his streets as Batwoman. And that's cool because I think you have the element of her being there, Gotham already reeling from the loss of Batman and now seeing this whole new bat character. You have uh, Beth, which is Kate Kane's sister, who is actually going as Alice and Alice in Wonderland inspired villain who had no idea who Batwoman was, then found out that it was Kate Kane and then didn't put the connection together. But maybe she did. We don't know because she's played so well and her motivations and memory kind of comes and goes, which is really interesting. And ultimately, you have certain villains in the Batman mythos who are like, well, there's no Batman. We're good. Let's go do this. And then they come and see there is a Batwoman. So ultimately, it's good. There's been a casting change again. We have a whole new Batwoman for season two. That should be interesting. And I wonder, or let's just say I'm very curious to see how CW approaches this with a whole new character coming in for obviously the main character. And what does that spell for Kate Kane and all the unfinished plot holes with her sister and her father and her family. So that I'm very much looking forward to. It's still a TBD for me, though. I'm not going to give it a solid grade. Okay, so what I find most interesting, I have not seen Batwoman yet, wow. by the way. Um, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm slacking. <gasps> but um, what I find most interesting about everything that you said so far yeah. is that you were able to talk most about Batwoman, who has less seasons than any other character that we've talked about so far. Yes, I can tell you why, though. So you've had all these other seasons that have been around for, I think, Arrow was eight years Flash on season six, Legend of Tomorrow season five. Been a long time, a lot of gaps. You had 13 episodes of Batwoman that all happened this past year. I watched every one. So it's a lot fresher on the mind than these others. You know, and Flash wasn't the hottest and, 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 and neither was, uh, listen to me. <laughs> to me. <laughs> so Batwoman to me is, a, I, w- I was mostly invested in that. I wanted a Bat character in the CW. So maybe there's a little bias there inherently because I got what I wanted. I knew a lot about her comic backstory and I was interested to see how it would go from page to screen. And so following that as in, as, and being as invested as I was, I was able to take away a lot more notes. So you're right. There is a, a big, I can talk about it for another 30 minutes. I've done it before, but you don't have the time. <laughs> um, okay. So let's dive into, um, a comic classic, Archie, which is one of my favorite comics. <laughs> yeah. Not DC or Marvel. No. <laughs> but I remember the Archie's Dare New Mysteries TV show, remember? The cartoon one? Geek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I used to watch that when I was getting ready for school. Oh, wow. Um, but, yeah. So, Riverdale, dramatic pause, uh, is bad. Is really bad. Have you seen any of Riverdale? Um, Is that the... What, Riverdale All-American? Or is that a different show together? That's a different show together. No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, Riverdale is based off the Archie comics, and it took, like, such a dramatic turn. The first season was really good, because you're trying, it was like a mystery. You're trying to figure out who the killer is and Mm. whatever. And then um, season two, and I think in season three, or they just wrapped up with season three, got super freaking weird. Okay. Like, they brought in the Gargoyle King, Mm. which... I don't remember from the comics, and someone please correct me if I'm wrong, but I do not remember. And then um, they brought in the farm in season three, where they were harvesting organs, which again, I'm 99.9% sure those were not in the comics. Archie. That's, Archie. Archie's gotten weird. I've read Archie and the Undead. 
I have not. Mm, that's oh, a okay. beat off the Archie path it, from it, what I remember. But like, I like the clean cookie cutter Archie that's like 1950s. <laughs> oh, okay, I feel you. Like those were cute, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not here for for that. So CW has taken some sharp left turns into somewhere <laughs> that is not interesting. Um, different Dale. Different Dale, for sure. <laughs> um, so let's talk about DC movies, which I know Corbin is just dying to talk about. Um, well, yeah. should, should we start with the elephant in the room named Justice League? You know what? Yeah. Why, why don't you lead us off into that and I'll pepper in my questions? No, okay. It was bad. It was... It was <laughs> It was horrible. And, <laughs> and and to be fair, that's saying a lot because I'd already had my heart broken from Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. So, and I was like, oh yeah. If you remember last week, I was so excited about Batman The Dark Knight Returns and how it drew much of his material from that. I was like, yeah, this is exciting. Yeah, yeah, I'm so pumped. And then, you know, that movie came and just tore, tore me deeply. And then Justice League came and I was already like, yeah, well, you know, I'm still going to watch it. And And somehow I left the theater even worse than when I walked in. My expectations were already on the ground. Well, see, and I was like, it has Wonder Woman in it. And the Wonder Woman movie was good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yes. I would even go to far, I would even go as far as to say I loved it. It was good. <laughs> then I was like, okay, well, you're going to have Jason Momoa as Aquaman, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I bet you that's just going to be fine. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, you have Wonder Woman. And then you have um, Ezra Miller. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. He's the Flash, which he's funny. I liked him in Fantastic Beasts. Okay. And then um, you have, you know, just Batman. <laughs> uh, the better half like Batfleck. One of the best. We're going to let that hang? We're not going to agree with me? <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. Nope. You're on your own. I don't <laughs> like Ben Affleck as Batman. And this is where I leave the show. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Why, if I may ask? I... I don't know, like... So so you don't like Ben Affleck's Batman, but you don't know why you don't like him. Hmm. <laughs> it's curious. It, it's just like... Very it, sound. I don't... <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't connect with him as Batman. Hmm. Okay. Who like, do you connect with? Oh, this is a rapid <laughs> aside. I'm just very curious. Do we have to look into my psyche right now? Oh, no, we'll, we'll lay off for okay. now. But, okay. okay. And I also don't like... um. Henry Cavill as Superman because uh, look, hold there's on. a reason though yes there ah. is every movie that he is in mm-hmm. sucks uh, yeah 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 okay his Man of Steel the Superman movie was bad uh, yeah not as bad as Justice League but bad I thought it was maybe too dark and then at the end I definitely thought it was too dark like that was I, I was like I even screamed audibly what in the world I'm sure like, those are the exact words to use. Uh, just, yeah, slightly amended. But the point being, like, <laughs> in the theater, I had, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I thought his performance was good. If he would just, I don't know. I, I get your point. I can agree with it, sort of. Okay. I like him as Superman, at, at least down aesthetically. I think maybe when it comes to the acting style, he looks like no, he's like, Superman. No, like, he's cute, and he's Superman. Oh, I didn't think, I didn't, well, yeah, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't going, <laughs> I was just saying, if I see him in Superman, he looks like Superman. But then it's like, hey, Superman, hey. So, yeah. Like, he's so cold and distant. He's so cold and he acts depressed. Yeah. Like, I get it. You're yeah. away from your family. Like, if I came from Smallville, I would be depressed. But you're Superman. 
You should be depressed. You are the man. You are the beacon of hope. Your S stands for hope, not sadness. Are we sure? <laughs> what does the S stand for? Sadness. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, okay. Anyways, that was a, that was a long segue. Back yeah. to Justice League. Yeah. The villain, out of all the villains in Justice League, mm-hmm. every single villain, any way that you can think of, why that thing? And I can't even remember the name right now, but that thing. Uh, my gosh. Um, um, not the parademons. Um, oh my goodness. Now I'm losing it. Put me on the spot and I forget. I tried to actively block out much of that movie. It was so, so bad. This is where we do the behind the scenes research here while I try to get the name of the villain of this forgettable movie that we're trying to tell you is something that's available at our local libraries. Yes, uh, um, it is. An immense amount of copies. Yes, um, Steppenwolf. There you go. Steppenwolf and the Parademon Army. Basically, he was the, the fill-in for Darkseid, which is the big daddy, the end-all. Usually a traditional Justice League villain uh-huh. who is looking for mother boxes, which, I mean, there's a whole nother story to this. I would definitely read the Justice League movie synopsis. Again, you can check that out at our local library, online, mcldaz.org. But... Basically, it was like saying, okay, you know what? We're going to pick a villain of the week. Let's see. Um, we're not going to use Darkseid because reasons. Um, we're <laughs> not going to go like Luthor, Joker. They're too small. Let's do Steppenwolf. And you're like, who? And they're like, exactly. We got you. And that was the villain that was used. Because he's had some moments, but by no means is Steppenwolf a, a, a big baddie in, in my book. He, they couldn't use Doomsday because they'd already used Doomsday in... Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Amazo wasn't big enough. Starro. I mean, they, they could have went that direction, but it's probably for another time. Who knows where DC's going there? I can run through more villains. Dr. Destiny, others that could have been used, but Steppenwolf seemed decent until you watched the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. No. 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 And the goggles that Batman wore that made him look like Owlman from uh, Zack Snyder's Watchmen? <laughs> no. No. And it's, it's particularly telling because Zack Snyder was kind of had a hand in both movies, so you know, <laughs> the Snyder Cut. <laughs> but it was dumb. I, I wasn't a fan. Yeah, I wasn't a fan either. Mm-hmm. However, I am excited for Wonder Woman 1984. Yes. That looks pretty good, but yes. I've already, you know, this is the second podcast where I'll say I love Wonder Woman. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm pumped. Um, mm-hmm. Aquaman should be even. Aquaman was okay. You liked it? I did. I thought that it was a breath of fresh air. DC had been going. Mind you, I would still recommend watching, and I say recommend lightly, Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice and Justice League, if only to get a sense of the tone and direction that DC and their movies were going. It's pretty telling. It it, it rhymes with Lark. But (laughs) And then seeing what Aquaman and Wonder Woman did as a collective breath of fresh air into the DC movies in terms of, yes, having... A story that may have had some tragedy. And yes, having villains that may not be sunshine and roses, but also having a tone that at the end of it, you're like, wow, that was a really good story that made me feel sad inside, you know, longing for my Chips Ahoy. And, you know, Chips Ahoy. Chips Ahoy, Ahoy, here's a hack. So (laughs) get yourself your Ben and Jerry's peanut butter cups. Get yourself your Chips Ahoy, crumble them up like sprinkles, mix it in there, thank me later. All right, but anyways, That's cooking with Corbett. There you yeah. go. There you go. But those two movies, by themselves, I looked at Wonder Woman, 
Aquaman and Shazam as okay movies, but it helped turn the sinking plane of the DC movies up a little bit because there was some value to be had in DC in Justice League and Batman vs Superman, which is hard to see with the general overall tone that just made you feel like, oh wow, this is uh, ow. Okay, um, my my favorite DC movie. Yes. If you if you had to guess, Wonder Woman. No, Shazam. Uh, oh yes, Zachary Zachary Levi. I love Zachary Levi. Your favorite. So my favorite of all time. All right. So. Oh no. Here, here's the thing. I asked the wrong question. You possibly did. My favorite movie. I have two. So one of them is my personal favorite. And the other one is like what is commonly agreed upon as a very good movie that I just happen to share the opinions of. What do you want first? Just all right, go. All right, so Batman Forever. And, and here's why. Listen, before y'all, Batman Forever, 1995, Val Kilmer, Tommy Lee Jones, Were you Jim Carrey. No. But <laughs> don't date me here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but when I first watched it, it, it was, you have to remember, in this place in time, this was the third Batman movie to come out in the 90s. You had had 1989's Batman. You had a 1992's Batman Returns. Joel, um, um, Tim Burton is no longer there. <laughs> Neither is Michael Keaton. In come Joel Schumacher, rest in peace, and uh, Val Kilmer. And Val Kilmer was only Batman for one movie, and then he was replaced by George Clooney in the movie that we do not bring up. But what I enjoyed about Batman Forever is that it mixed elements of the dark, Tim Burton, gothic-inspired Batman movies of the late 80s, early 90s with... The campiness that you can remember from the na 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 Batman <laughs> in the 1960s and some of the own color that Shoemaker infused into the movie. So it was a perfect balance of that for me. And although Tommy Lee Jones played a little over the top and Jim Carrey was kind of crazy in it as the main antagonist, I enjoyed the fact that Batman, who is also known as the world's greatest detective, <laughs> was actually able to flex his detective skills in a movie about him. Because if you look at any of the previous movies, um, the Batman is still one to be determined. He hasn't had to do that too much. Mm-hmm. The villain's there. Batman's undergoing some personal crisis of his own. He has to overcome that and ex-villain to win. And in this one, he actually had a little bit of a mystery to solve. And I enjoyed that. And so that's why I think it was one of the more balanced movies. Now, do people widely agree? No. They, they loop Batman Forever in with Batman and Robin. Even though Batman and Robin was a much worse film. And they just chalk it up as that. But it really wasn't. Val Kilmer actually did a decent job, even though I read behind the scenes he was a pain to work with on that movie. I still think it's highly recommended. We do have it in our system, mm-hmm. so definitely check that out. And then a movie that I also enjoyed that more people agreed with me on. Batman and Robin. No. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <sighs> it is uh, Batman the, it's the Dark Knight Rises, the Christopher Nolan, the last one in his trilogy. I liked it because it was inspired from actual Batman comics. They took a little bit of Batman Nightfall, which is the storyline where Bane breaks Batman's back. They took a little bit from Batman No Man's Land, which is a, a storyline where a huge earthquake basically splits Gotham. And the United States says, you know what, Gotham, you guys can be on your own. And Batman and his allies have to you know, live in this world where Gotham has its own basically rules and each villain is ruling their own territory it's really interesting i like the way that the dark knight rises took those elements together and blended into a very cohesive story and it was also a pretty fitting end to the nolan trilogy and so 
you know, that, that, that's probably my, my high on the DC end. Uh, I, I can't think of anything else other than that. A lot of animated films would make my list, but we're not talking animated films, so I'm not going there. Although Superman Doomsday, check it out. Death of Superman and The Reign of the Superman, also check that out. And Batman The Dark Knight Returns, number one and number two, or the deluxe edition. We have them here at the Maricopa County Public Library. Check that out as well. They're direct animated versions of the classic books that inspired them, and they are really good, and they're pretty accurate, and the voice cast is amazing. Andrea Romano does a great job with the voice directing, and it's just... (sighs) He's fanboying again. (laughs) Um, Okay, so moving on, we'll leave DC there, because I don't think anyone can talk whatever Corbin just did. Thank you. (laughs) Um, We'll talk about Marvel. Let's... All right, let's start with uh, the Avengers saga madness. The Infinity Saga? The Infinity Saga. Yes. All of the movies from 2008 up through this past year. Last year? Was it this year that it came out, Endgame? No, it was last year. Endgame Endgame was last year, wasn't it? 2020's been so long. Oh, my goodness. It's only August. Just to make sure that I'm accurate, we we, we strive for accuracy here. I'm going to check. I think it was 2019. I'm pretty sure it was. Because, yeah, it was. Because Avengers Infinity War came out 2018. Gosh, that feels so long ago. Uh, Would you like to discuss your... Nice three-day week of... Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, in anticipation of Avengers Endgame, Harkins Theater had done a three-day, 22-movie marathon where they played every movie. Yes, that that is 22 <laughs> movies. That's over three days. Continue. It was awesome. Where they played every movie from the very beginning with Iron Man, the one that started all, all the way up to the very, at the time, brand new Avengers Endgame. And I was so happy to get time off of work to go in there. I got my blanket. I got my limited popcorn, my soda. It was awesome. Sleeping was hard to come by. I think I slept six hours in those three days, but it was glorious to be able to watch each and every movie and really get a feel for how connected and intertwined each story was it's easy to watch one you know two years later watch the other a year later watch the other and it's it's 22 movies until you finally get to the end but when you see how each plot thread connects to another and to another and it all intricately forms this final climatic clash i gained a whole new respect for it i would do it again in a heartbeat i wouldn't recommend it but then it was sold out and maybe i would recommend i don't know i don't know your your brain seemed kind of Buttered up with popcorn at the end oh, of it. Oh, yeah. I, the next two days of work were bad. It was on, like, a Tuesday. It, you did it, like, Tuesday through Thursday. And yeah. then I and then think I, we met up with a couple of our mutual friends. Yes. And we saw... You saw it again. Yes. So you saw it twice in one night. Yes. So I saw... I got out of the theater at 7. Mm-hmm. And then we went to watch it at 10. Mm-hmm. And then we got out at 2. Mm-hmm. And then we had to be at work by 7. Mm-hmm. And then I think I went out again afterwards. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was a while. It was, it was a stretch, y'all. It was, you know, when you have a movie like that, you have to watch at least eight or nine times to really understand the full experience. No, you really and, don't. Uh, <laughs> you really don't. But, you know, that, that's Corbin's philosophy. And we'll, we'll, we'll let him live in that daydream. It's fine. Um, so overall, your favorite Marvel movie. You know what? 
I went first. I think you should go because I I want to I want to I want to pick a choice first this time. Of course you do. <laughs> um, I, I'm gonna give my top three. Okay. Okay. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, it's super cute. It has great music. The story is awesome. Groot. Yeah. You, Groot. I am Groot. Groot. I am Groot. Groot. Um, Thor Ragnarok, which, okay. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> which, like, I almost laugh at because one and two weren't that great. I mean, one was good. Two was atrocious. And, like, three had a comical comeback for it. Mm-hmm. So I I enjoyed it. It was mm-hmm. funny. Also, um, Jeff Goldblum is in it. It's hilarious. So hilarious. I love him. That, his, his role was, was, was welcome. Yes. Um, and then, uh, number two, I'm going to put, Aunt, or sorry, where am I on? Number, number three? three? I'm going to put Captain America, the first Avenger. Because, I mean, Chris Evans turning into a hunk and... Hmm. I'm going I'm to I'm leave that there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll pick my three. Number three is Avengers Endgame because it is the finish of everything that Marvel Studios started over 11 years before. Actually, over yeah, over 11 years before. And I, I enjoyed that movie. In picking it apart as many times as I have, I found some holes, but... Ultimately, a very satisfying finish. And it's a three-hour movie. I mean, come on. What else would you ask for? Number two, Captain America Winter Soldier, which actually felt more like an espionage thriller than an actual superhero movie. But I love the fact that superhero movies can be diverse and fit a variety of of, of subgenres within its main um, theme and not be considered just the, the Kate movies. And I enjoyed... You know, the mystery, the intrigue that was behind that movie. The acting was superb and solid. And, of course, I mean, it was The Winter Soldier. I mean, check it out if you haven't. It's really good. Number one for me was Logan. And I loved about Logan. Yes, Logan. I know. Listen, listen, listen. Hold up. I, I thought that you for sure were going to say Black Panther. Black you love Panther. that movie. I love Black Panther. I do. But Black Panther was fourth? Yeah, it just missed the cut. So I'll, I'll read my top ten. Why not? So it was... I, t- I did top ten superhero movies in general. Batman Forever was ten because it's a personal favorite, but, like, not the best, you know? And then Batman... Uh, number nine was Batman The Dark Knight Rises. Number eight was Captain America The First Avenger. Number seven was Iron Man. Number six was The Avengers. Number five was Black Panther. Number four was Spider-Man 2, which, in my opinion, is the best superhero movie ever made. Gonna leave that there. Number three, Avengers Endgame. Number two, Captain America Winter Soldier. Number one, Logan. The reason I love number um, Logan was because it drew a lot of attention from comics. It was almost the exact opposite of the Joker movie, this recent one with Joaquin Phoenix, because they said, we're not a combo movie, we're not a combo movie, until after it came out, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's the number one combo movie to do this, but you said you weren't a combo movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, setting that aside, Logan was inspired from it, but it, it drew so little material from it. It was its own story within the universe. And it, it, it like busted open a whole new genre for me of something that is very much inspired by the comics using characters from it, did not deny it. It even referenced itself with one of the main characters, Laura, holding comic books and using it as her inspiration for her journey. As Logan, Wolverine from the previous X-Men movies was basically saying this doesn't exist. These adventures happen, but they've been embellished and, you know, half this isn't accurate. And Professor X is in it. It's sad. It is heart-wrenchingly sad. But it, it was so, so good. I actually watched it with uh, a colleague of mine um, from Maricopa County Library District. And we both were crying at the end. It was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It, it was it was beautiful. So uh, it, it was great. I, I, I highly enjoyed it. 
Um, yeah, so you want to know, let's circle back and talk about Joker real fast. Um, that was the creepiest movie I've ever seen. Yeah, so I didn't think it was that creepy. It was creepy. I, I, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Like, a, a lot of people found it creepy. I, I just didn't. Because you saw it opening right, the oh, of opening course. night. Of okay, so did I. Mm-hmm. And then um, it was like midnight, I think I saw it. Mm-hmm. And I came out of the theater and I was like, what did I just watch? Because it, it's very, it, it messes with your head. Mm-hmm. With the whole, like, different filters. Like, I had to watch it three or four times to figure out, was that a dream? Was yeah. Was not a dream? So, um, it, it just, it had a very creepy feel. I think Joaquin Phoenix was perfect for the role, which, uh, words I never thought I'd utter. But, um, yeah, it was, it was intense. It was. That's the big word. I only watched it once. It was one of those movies that I only really needed to see once to kind of have my opinion on it. And I was like, okay, great, cool. We're done. Um, it was solid. The acting was great. It was more of a, um deconstruction into the human psyche in something that was loosely related to the Joker. Mm-hmm. I I pause. Obviously, it's called the Joker, so I'm going with it, but it, it felt like the direction, the directors, the actors were so adamant that it wasn't comic book related that I went in there purged of any connection, even though you had the overt, you know, Bruce Wayne reference and such. Yeah. But then looking back on it, aside from the obvious just age differences and everything that would make the comic or the future comic related movie scene kind of, you know, kind of a reach. There was other elements of it that made me go, okay, this wasn't really a comic movie. So it was really just like a a journey into madness. And it it was a little bit depressing. It didn't have that ray of hope at the end that Logan did because Logan was just as sad, if not a little more sad, but it was a well done movie. It was a well done movie. I definitely left with my brain thinking, um, and it's that's not good for 2 a.m. Yeah, no, no, especially when we work the next day. Cause I think we both, yeah, work. We both yeah, worked. Thursday night releases are amazing. And yeah, that was basically how that worked. Um, but I, I, I can't say I enjoyed it, but I did not enjoy it. It was, it was a solid movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of solid movies, you mentioned Spider Man. Yeah, Spider Man was solid. Spider Man 2 was great. Okay. But like Mysterio? Oh, you're talking about. Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home. Far From yeah. Home being Oh, which ones are you talking about? Oh, Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire. Yeah. You, you not seen Spider-Man 2? Uh, it's been it's been years. It's been too long. You need to check it out. Okay, Obviously. we have it. <laughs> we, elaborate. we have it here. It's a perfect story about a hero, their journey. You have the main antagonist who's played really well, who has obviously a villainous edge, but is also going through his own story and his own evolution you have great loss in this case spider-man actually losing his powers for most of the movie and him having to find them again it's it's literally about that losing yourself finding yourself again and coming back even more alive and more renewed and and this was in a person as far as spider-man but that is also the overall theme or moral of this movie and it was like a very solid comic book you're reading it you have the adventure it's chock full of action you have you know, the thought points and the parts where you're really kind of being more introspective in the movie. And then you have the triumphant conclusion. I was like, wow, this is great. Every theme that makes a great comic book, in my opinion, great or a great movie is all tied in this one. I've seen many great ones since then. And notice this one didn't fall number one on my list just because the other movies did their individual themes better overall. But as far as having each individual category, Spider-Man 2 takes the cake for me. And I will convince anyone if you give me the time. 
I mean, I think you just did. Oh, well. So, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I do like Spider-Man. I do like Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. Mm, I kind of like Far From Home better. I can understand that. At least you can say Andrew Garfield better. I forgot about those. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, that was... That was uh, and, I, and I watched Spider-Man 2 more times than I'd like to admit, even knowing that was a pretty bad movie. That was like a walking advertisement for movies that I knew, even when they were advertising them, would never be made. Oh, we're going to have a Sinister Six movie without Spider-Man. I was like, oh, uh-huh. so cool. No. That's awesome. Like, no. that's never going to happen. No. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Spider-Man, Mysterio. Oh, okay. Is Mysterio dead? Yes. Oh, no. Co- quite. Well, yeah. First of all, I love the fact <laughs> that you asked the question and then shut it down with the answer. Second of all, yes, he has gone. It was quite clear. Mysterio has faked his death on numerous occasions in the comics. He could feasibly have faked it again in the movie. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. Maybe. Nope. Too late. Okay. And <laughs> with that being said. Spoilers. Exactly. Too late now. But it, 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 with that being said, I, I'm pretty certain he's gone. Mm. And I think that what he did at the very end was to set off the next domino for Spider-Man's next adventure. Closing the door on the Mysterio chapter, but continuing on what is going to lead to an endgame for Peter Parker at some point. Hmm. My theory. Hmm. Uh, well, you know, we'll come back to this podcast when... Your theory is either debunked or okay. come to light. Of course, I like that. Uh, okay, ultimate question. So yes. you are the comic book guru okay. of Maricopa County. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, should Disney have meddled with Marvel? No. Why? No, they shouldn't have. In some ways, they've enhanced it. I think, well, first of all, what they've done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they have with characters under their control, Iron Man, Hulk, you know, Captain America, everyone of them, they've, they've done a tremendous job with them. And, tremendous. and you, yeah, hey, hey, guys, whole new week. Anyway, they, and that, 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 that is what it is. That's the truth. With that being said, I am, I've not been super impressed with what they've done with Spider-Man. They've made Spider-Man more Tony Stark Jr. than Spider-Man, which, He's his own separate character with his own rich history that doesn't always have to be tied back to Tony Stark. And through two movies, one with Tony Stark as a direct mentor and one with Spider-Man reeling after Tony's loss and trying to follow his legacy. Spoilers. uh, Yeah, sort of. That's not your legacy. Like, Spider-Man has his own. You know, his own story is unique of Iron Man. It can be intertwined, but it's unique for that. But for Disney and Marvel, it's like, take our lead guy here, take the lead guy we just acquired, and let's put them together. And that's... That may work in business. That doesn't always work in, in, in comics. Sometimes having each character with their own their fan base, their own fans, sometimes it could be the world's finest, and sometimes it could be Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. This is different. But I also didn't like what they did with Fox and the X-Men. Reason being, with the X-Men and Fox, you had some hits, you had some misses. More misses than hits. You had Logan, you also had X-Men 3 The Last Stand. You had X-Men First Class. You had, you had X-Men Apocalypse, X-Men Days of Future Past. I named... Two good ones and three bad ones just now. But the point being, we had a movie called New Mutants that Fox had done two years ago. And in the midst of this acquisition, they had waited. There had been delays. We had Dark Phoenix. We had New Mutants again. Disney took over. We're still having delays. And now we may have a great movie. We may have a horrible movie. But we already know that regardless of that, this is the end. And I don't like having stories that could inspire 
a whole new legion of fans for these particular characters, the same way that it did for Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man or Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. And now, you know, they may possibly be invited back to continue their journey. But for all intents and purposes, this movie that's just now being released now was actually done two years ago. And Disney slash Marvel have already possibly moved on to their own interpretation of how they're going to create these characters, therefore putting a close on this whole universe that has spanned for 16, 17, 18 years. Why? Because they can. And I don't know, sit right with me. Those, those were a lot of strong feelings. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you let it happen. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not going to lie. The minute you said legacy, I don't know, 10 minutes ago, <laughs> I started singing Hamilton in my head. Oh my gosh, stop. We I have don't that in my head. need a legacy. No, we don't need... Oh we God. don't need All right, money. we're not going to break off this Hamilton episode. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, leave us comments if you like a Hamilton episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I've seen it like maybe six times in the past two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Because I love it. Um. Anyways, uh, we talked about Batman and Robin a little bit. How you think it was a, a trash movie? It was. I don't think it was though. It it just was. <laughs> <laughs> I found it funny because George Clooney was just trying to be so serious. Um. Let's what killed the dinosaurs? See. The Ice Age. That was a horrible impression. Of who? I don't know. We're just going to pretend that it is. Oh, my gosh. So, I get the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, like, maybe once or twice a that year. That was a British voice. Like I said, I get the Arnold voice probably once or twice a year, and I thought I had it, and I gambled, and I lost. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching him with Acorn also, mcldaz.org, check out eMedia, check out Acorn. And I think my voice kind of went that direction. And Acorn is available through RB Digital, for those of you who don't know. That too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Corbin. I think uh, this is a good time to end this podcast because I think Corbin may have gone a little bit insane. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Just we saying, talked about Disney and Marvel. We, we uh, talked about Disney and Marvel. We talked about, you know, all the good comics mm-hmm. that came from this. The good and the bad, the ugly. I have a question for There's you a lot of to ugly. close. Yes. What makes a good comic book movie? Um, For me, it's something that is, like, action-packed, has a good, solid storyline. And I, I'm a huge, you know, proponent for first movies. Because they open up the gateway to so many different possibilities, um, so that's really what I'm looking for in mm. a in a movie. Which is why like New Mutants would be such a cool segue into a universe mm-hmm. if, if they allow it. Um, but yeah, I just like action packed, like good solid storyline. Okay, and I'm just gonna keep repeating myself because this is like what I do. There it is. So um, yeah. That that's me. Did you have an opinion or two cents that you looked at? You know, as much as they can draw away from the source material, if they serve and to enhance the material that it's inspired from, I think that it makes a solid movie. Whether that's a happy direction, whether that's a sad direction, a dark one. If you're taking from the source material the stories that inspired the fans and you're making it better, literally playing it out in front of your very eyes, I think you have a successful combo movie on your hands. I mean, also, you know, if you cast Zachary Levi, I'm, I'm never opposed. Zachary Levi cast the movie gets you a solid C+. Plus, and then depending on what the writers do, you may get a B. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's go. And on that note, we're going to end it here. 
<laughs> Don't forget to like us, subscribe. We're, there's going to be different hosts every yeah. week. Um, Corbin and I are just one of the very many people working on this podcast. So if you liked us, make sure you leave comments. And we'll see you guys next time. The Ice Age. Please stop. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ. Remember to stay tuned. Next week, we join Travis and Nicholas as they discuss some of the spookiest and scariest horror books that we have in our library. You won't want to miss it.